Blog Talk Radio. If you ever want to go back and listen to some other programs, go to chuckcreasy.net, chuckcreasy.net, K-R-I-E-S-C.net. We've got every program I've had on the last in the last eight years, and the two uh, great coaches that we're having on today uh, combine a total of 85-plus years coaching experience and working with youngsters. And uh, before I before I bring him on, uh, I'm going to bring him on first, uh, Coach Dan Vonk. Um, but I, w- I wanted to say this: uh, if you're like me and you've been working with young people and kids and teaching, this last six months has been a bear. I mean, I really have talked about a lot. I said I, I feel like I'm dog paddling at least or maybe just treading water in the middle of a duck pond and those ducks are swimming around me spitting water on me and it's time to go I I just want to get something moving we're starting school and we're trying to get practice going and folks if you're playing tennis you know tennis has been rated as of the least risky of all the sports along with golf and along with different I'd, I'd have to see the list but golf and tennis you're very, very safe playing tennis. Get out and play tennis. Get the kids playing tennis. It's pretty darn safe. But, look, this is American tennis, and we need to solve some problems. But more than whining about them or just complaining, we're going to solve some of them today. So I'm going to bring on Coach Dan Vonk, real Coach Vonk. Welcome to the program. And it's been a few years, man. So how are you doing today? It has been a few years, Chuck. I'm I'm doing great. It's, it's uh, good to be back with you and talk to you again. Good, good. I need to just give you the the accolades, folks. I've got the uh, the accolades up there on the website. But Coach Dan Vonk in 2007 was National High School Coach of the Year. Now think about this. I mean, uh, if you're a national coach in in college things, there's not that as much competition. But you, when you're National High School Coach of the Year. I remember in 2007 saying, I, I want to meet this guy, and I, I think I went across a crowded room and tried to find you. Your talk was so inspiring, and I said, you know, I, all I ever want to do is be a high school basketball and tennis coach, and uh, that was the deal, and, and you were sort of the epitome of what I was trying to do and work with young people. But we worked together for, gosh, 13 or 14 years in camps, didn't we, coach? And 
And um, you, I think 35 years now you've been teaching tennis. You're in, you coached coached high school tennis, what, 30 years? About 30, Coach? 25. 25. Is 25. Okay. Well, I'll, you know, now, listen, you know, you could embellish a little bit there. <laughs> you could embellish and just <laughs> – but anyhow, 25 years, I know. I'm – we count those years off. I'm in year 42, if you can believe that, in college coaching, and I'm very proud to do it, wow. folks. Um, so, but today I figured with uh, we're going to bring Coach, coach Tom Higgins on here in about 15 minutes, but I want Coach uh, Vonk you to have this time to start out with. But we've got a lot of experience. You two have 85 years of experience, and then I've got a few under my belt too. We got about 125 <laughs> years of coaching experience. You'd think we'd We'd uh, learned a few things and stuff, but um, let me tell you what I want to go with this. Uh, I want you to ad-lib a lot today, Coach Dan, uh, especially if you get – you're going to love Tom Higgins, uh, one of the all-time greats. He's a legend around the South for sure, but he coached at Eastern Kentucky for many years, over 30 years. They even named the courts after him, but I just absolutely love chewing the fat with him or just uh just sharing stories and he'll be on here in a little bit but where we'd like to go for a lot of weeks i've talked about the five sleeping giants in american tennis and if we could just get these things cranking i think that we could make a difference and we could get tennis rolling again uh but one of them is high school tennis i just feel like that's where our kids really can springboard and get interested in tennis for life. I think small town tennis USA we we miss the opportunities by overly prom- promoting I don't know if you can overly promote but we had the the big emphasis has been on inner city tennis and these things but 80 not quite 80 I think it's 76% of our athletes that ever make it into the pro ranks come out of towns less than 50,000 people. So we might be missing a boat here, and we might be able to talk about how you do that. The other sleeping giants at age groups 22 to 35, where we have nothing for after a youngster might play in college or be in a college, even a, a tennis club, there's nothing for them out there as far as competitiveness. Um, the old people, or I hate to talk about old people, but the very – the very experienced group in our society, they're going to pickleball, and there's a reason for that. But then, then we'll talk about some of the restrictions that really just handcuff us, the over-legislation, the over-government and stuff. But, Dan, you have done high school all these years, and you've, you've done the small-town tennis USA. But I'd like to, I guess, start out by asking you, Talk about being you're in a small rural town in South Georgia, and you have had to get people interested in tennis. I mean, I don't know whether you you, uh, um, started the programs there or whatever, but if you could talk about what your battle was to get people interested, all those kids that you've impacted their lives and helped them go to college, and different things, but if you could sort of just give your history about what you've done and some of the challenges, go ahead, Coach. Okay. Well, you know, Chuck, um, I I teach in a uh, a one high school county, um, but when we had things rolling, I was getting fifty, sixty kids to try out for tennis. When we first started, Whoa. all that we had was the uh, all the, all all that we had was the high school program and I got them to install middle school pro- programs. I tried to get some uh, community-based instruction going and everything else through the rec department and everything. And unfortunately, like you said, I feel like I've been handcuffed. It, um, it, it's tough to get things going, but the interest was there. The interest was always there. Um, when we got the middle school programs, we'd have, you know, 30, 40 kids at each of the two middle schools in our county that would try out. And, um, you know, it was just a matter of I was, I was very fortunate in that, that I had an, an assistant coach who was very experienced as well and very gung-ho, Daniel Bragg, who took over for me a couple of years ago. But the only tennis that was really being taught was by us. 
Um, it was very difficult to get things going on in the community to get the rec center to buy in, even though we we had the demand there. Um, it it would be nice, like you say, if like the USTA or or some of these tennis organizations would put some funding into helping to promote tennis in these small areas. I know that being in Southeast Georgia all these years, uh, I would go to other schools and I would do I would do um, clinics and workshops and stuff like that. But the problem is that you know that uh, there's just not a lot of opportunity here. Well, um, why would, jump and stop there a minute, Dan? Why do you did you feel now? I've I've preached on this program a lot about the USTI. I said you you don't need systems, you know. You need incentives. You need to inspire people. You don't need systems. They'll come out with their programs. And by the way, they lost. Uh, they they're really struggling. I mean, I'm hoping the U.S. Open comes off because USTA is it really needs the U.S. Open to work and, and things. But as it got bigger, it seemed that they would come out with these fancy programs, whether it's cardio tennis or tennis welcome centers or, or you know people that people dream up, I guess, on a committee. But but nothing was going to you down there where you needed it in this rural area. You had to leave in Georgia. You had to drive what three hours to get to Atlanta to be able to play many tournaments, or what? <laughs> well, most of the stuff was going on in, in Atlanta. They have a lot of stuff going there, but that's a that's like a five and a half hour drive for us. We're as far away from Boom. Atlanta and, and as we can be and still be in the state of Georgia. We had a we had a few areas. Valdosta was a couple hours away in the Brunswick area. They started running a few like lower level tournaments and stuff, but it's, it was just really difficult for us, for our kids to find opportunities um, that were close. We ended up, you know, we could go to Jacksonville um, and there was a few more things there, but then you got into, you know, a lot of kids chase points and everything. And Florida was different from Georgia. Um, and so I was, I was always kind of battling that. They they wouldn't get points if they played in Florida. Um, right. Yeah, so just, you your just, kids might get to go to play not, a tournament, but if they're chasing points, it just was sort of like they went there for like we did in the good old days, just to play the matches, I guess. So not the points. Yep, I've argued yep, about stupid points for so long. It's it just as anyhow. Go ahead, Dan. Well, I was just going to say, and, and, and I would preach the same thing to the kids. It, it, it was the experience and the joy of playing tennis that was important, you know, playing the, the good competition to get better. Um, but just not a lot of real good opportunities. And I had – I was very frustrated, too, because there were times when I would take a group of kids to tournaments. And, you know, the matchups at a lot of the USTA tournaments, you know, you'd have walkover matches where they'd play somebody in the first round and they'd either win easily or get beat easily. You know, you you and I have talked about the universal tennis stuff that they started doing, and I think that was that a much better system. You know, where they where they're playing people at their own level, and I know that was just getting going a few years ago, um, but I thought that was a move in the right direction. Um, you know, just just finding competitive, meaningful opportunities for my kids was just kind of a tough thing. And I know in talking to other coaches in rural areas, they were doing their best as well. But they would have to, you know, their kids would have to go, you know, a couple of hours just to get good training. Right. And, and then, to, uh, you know. And then uh, let me jump in there. And then on top of that, on top of that, if you tried to get interest going in your area, they won't let you work with your kids in the summertime or anything, right? You were you were the high school coach. The right. state of Georgia, the high school rules and all that, which they have, they handcuffed you there as well, correct? They're they're so inhibiting with all of their rules. I could work with my kids during the summer. When school was not in session, you know, and I, and I had every year I would bring a group of like eight to twelve kids up to your camp, and that was very beneficial for them. But during the off season, I I couldn't do anything with them. I could work with two at a time, but again, 
I could only do that after school or something else. Um, you know, I, I always felt like it was unfair because in rural areas, sometimes the high school coach is the only person who, one, has an interest in developing tennis and hopefully, if they're qualified, has, has the knowledge to do that. But in Atlanta, you know, there's how many tennis teaching pros within, you know, a 15-mile you know, a, a radius right. of a lot of places, right. you know. And, and so it didn't matter so much. In fact, what I found was that a lot of the coaching in the Atlanta area was not as good as it was down here, but they didn't have to be. They were more managers. They, they sent their kids to go get private lessons, and they, could, they had a t- tournament sure. they could play in every single weekend. And it, I just always felt like the GHSA and, and other high school associations needed to differentiate a little bit more about rural and city because our kids had no opportunities or, or they lacked those opportunities, yet they wouldn't let me work with my right. kids. Right. I mean, you had, you had almost an impossible situation to try to get your players better, but what you did to develop the enthusiasm – is unbelievable, and that's part of the reason I think your great story and why you you were chosen as the National High School Coach of the Year, which is very very few people you know will ever experience that, and and uh, I, I know why, and I'm just glad that you're recognized for that. But let me say this before I bring Coach Higgins on: <clears throat> I have always said about rules and bureaucracy when you when you get start getting micromanaged, is that a rules will never keep a dishonest person from breaking the rule. What it does, though, is it paralyzes good people from being creative and making good decisions and moving things forward. That's why bureaucracies get so stuck in their own tracks. They get stuck in the mud. And I think that, look, USTA, this is a great opportunity for you guys to use this as an opportunity to break out and to do some things. But one of the things they said, Dan, that was pretty pretty good, was they said they're going to get out of uh, program creating and get more into supporting, you know, novel and, and, and more interesting things and be be more bottom-up. But, but um, look, I want to bring Coach uh, Higgins on here and welcome him, but I want you to continue a little bit with what you think we could do in rural areas to get people do what you did. I mean, it, it really is unbelievable. There's not much feedback other than love of the game. And, uh, you know, I mean, how many thousands of hours did you get? Did you work and not get paid or you just worked and just tried to, uh, you know, just for the love of the game. So, uh, Coach Vaughn, Dan, what what would you suggest? What would you suggest? How do we get rural areas, those people out there listening, how do we get rural areas to, to do something that, that will help? Here? You know what? I think one of the things that we talked about is if we could get some of these um, tennis players. By the way, first of all, hey, Coach uh, Higgins. Coach Higgins, how you doing? I'm going to... I'm all right, guys. Good, good. We got you on here. Hey, we got a coaching legend. We have the three of us together. Have you two guys? We got. Uh, let's see. About dang, gone. Eighty-five years of coaching experience. But anyhow, we're going to let Coach uh, Coach Vaughn go ahead there. I just think you know. You and I talked about we did, we did one thing one summer where we had one of your players, Joey Bowman, came down and worked with some of my kids. It was wonderful. It was only um, a few weeks, but. My thought was always, let's get some of these these college tennis players that want to go into education, and let's hire them in school districts or rec programs in rural areas and supplement their, you know, give them the give, give the community the incentive of, hey, we'll pay this much of this guy's salary if you hire him to develop tennis in in our area. I know I know the interest is there. If you go to, you know, you can go to high school matches in, in rural, very rural Georgia, and the kids are loving it. the kids come out, but there's just not much to do with it. So my, my thing is to bring somebody in and, and help to pay their salary, maybe give them a teaching position where they're the director of tennis in the, in the county, and right. part of their job right. is to develop middle school programs and develop after school programs and stuff like that, you know? 
Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Coach Higgins, want to get your idea? Yes. Hey, I think you're very close. Could you uh, uh, just – you're very close to the receiver there. That's probably me. Sorry, folks. Uh, but, Coach Higgins, I want you to talk here just a second. Um, you grew up in rural Kentucky, across the street. Yep. From, uh, across the street, across the river from – Evansville, Indiana, Henderson. I think you grew up there. You ended up going Murray State. Yes. Uh, Murray State University. Then you coached all. Then you went to Vietnam, jumping out of helicopters. Then you worked <laughs> for the FBI. <laughs> then you worked right. for the FBI. Spiro right. Agnew hits you in the back of the head with a tennis ball, and you were on the cover of Time Magazine back in those days. Then you started coaching in 1972 at Eastern Kentucky. Now they've named the tennis courts after you. So you know about rural tennis. So what's your take on what we need to do to get things really cranking in rural areas in the United States? What's your thought? Well, given just a, a note of history here, all of us that really learned tennis, you know, and came through the ranks and just kind of picked it up on our own initially, there was always somebody in a small community person that was really teaching the game out of the love of the game. I mean, and it, you know, there, there are obscure names this day and age, but we can all reflect back on our tennis career. And, and there's always somebody that is there. I, I, I just heard parts of what Dan said and I totally agree with him. You know, we, we could we could expand on that and find somebody in each community that is interested in tennis and, and supplement part of his salary to, to do that. But but these the, these guys that I'm making reference to, you know, are, are John Doe's in this day and age, but, but there's always somebody in every tennis player's life that has been influential to their point of, of career right now that actually got them started. At some point, uh, somebody has to hit the first ball. Somebody has got to get kids to the point where they can, you know, enjoy it, get the enjoyment out of the game. And, and somehow we've gravitated away from the enjoyment of the game like it used to be and and sadly, and particularly a lot of the cities, I, I know tennis pros that look at kids now as a dollar sign swinging a tennis racket, you know, yeah. and, and it's, it's gotten more select and, instead of more inclusive. And I think we've initially got to start from the fun aspect to, to start with the expansion and then then go from there. And I think that in itself will expand opportunities for kids just by merely having a single person or two or three in a community that show a particular interest in the game. Now, now that's my take on it initially, and that was a little bit rambling, but I've seen it, you know, all my life, and you guys probably have too. Well, Coach Vonk, I mean, he led in. Well, you know where we're going with this. We need to talk about the high school tennis, if you – Tennis uh, are the small town tennis USA maybe program that we might try to get going. So, what's your take on that? And uh, coach, hey coach, um, coach Tom, I've got some. If you could just move away from the receiver just a little bit, I think you're outside probably helping those young kids. But just, yeah, there you go. That's better. That's better. Am, am I all so right, right there? That's perfect. That's perfect. It was just real loud, and uh, okay. but you're outside. Hey, folks, he's still hot cranking, and he goes works with kids every day. I'm not going to tell anybody how old he is. Hey, Coach Vaughn, what, what are your what's your take on um, what is your take on uh, what he's saying? I mean, that's how I learned. I learned at a park, and there was this one guy that gave my dad a tennis racket. He was a high school coach. And uh, we used to just go over and bump it around. We fell in love with just hitting the ball before we ever got any lessons. You know, what's your take on what we need to do in small towns there, Coach Volk? Yeah, I, I think Tom's definitely right. We, we need to provide – we need to find that guy that's in the community 
willing to bust his butt and have a passion for the game. But when you who is he though? Ways, you know, but but who that? is he or who is she? Well, that's that's the problem. At least where I am, it's where I'm at. It's the high it's it's a high school coach right now who has a a job, a full time job doing something else. Um, one of my other thoughts is that is you know what if we what if we made that that person a high school coach, made him an educator, but had him teach a tennis class all day long. You know, if, we, if, if the USTA or or some agency would provide the financial incentive to get the schools to buy in and the rec department, what if that person's job was to have tennis classes all day long? I think that would really help to stimulate an interest right. in tennis. Of course, the problem after that is what do they do after they learn here? As far as um, you know, get, getting more advanced training and playing right, tournaments. Right. Well, the like local that. the thing here, and I'd like to bring Coach Higgins in here in a second. But what the the norm? The, here's the thing: we have very, very few professional players coming out of the college ranks now. Very, very few. It's just not wired to train you to play professional tennis these days, like it was at one time. So, you know, our idea, Coach Volk, uh, some years ago, and we even went to one of the organizations, we went and had a meeting. We tried to call it Small Town Tennis USA, and you would get, Coach Higgins, you would get a college college player down the line, the number five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Most of us would have ten players on the team and say, hey, listen, man, or listen, young lady, how would you like a summer job making a couple hundred bucks a week? Excuse me for coughing. A couple of hundred bucks a week, you know, but you're in charge. You're the one that is running the show. You go teach, help these kids, and we can get, look, we can get them certified and get their insurance done. Maybe they get paid by the community center. What's your thoughts, Coach Higgins? Well, I think I think you're right on target there, and I think those people are out there. And so it's a challenge uh, for tennis, the USTA, or what governing body we deal with to find them. I think they're out there, you know, and, and no, it's it's likely not going to be the best player on any particular college team. It's not likely going to be uh, a great player, but it's going to be somebody that has a passion for the game and and a love of kids, you know. And, right, and so right. that's well, the challenge. Part of the thing, the reason I have you on right now is we have the right guy if he will do it, and his name is Coach Dan Vonk. And Coach Vonk, you've been retired from high school coaching. We need somebody out there who can help the USTA fund this, or we need some type of a thing where we – I've talked to you about this before. If we ever got this rolling, I was going to – Ask Coach Dan Vonk to head this up. You have all the experience, all the knowledge. You know how it would work. You're level-headed. You have the credentials. You're the guy. You're the guy. Now, am I challenging you too much on this program here, Coach? I mean, or, uh, you know, could you could see it working though? We we, we I it would I work. See it working. I, right. I see it working. You know. Right. There's, I, I, I think it would be something that would have to have some some backing, some support from the USTA, or somebody who would who would be willing to financially help right. to get this going. Okay. And give it a try. All right. You know? So what is okay? So we've worked along those lines. What is the holdup, and what are the problems in us getting that backing, Coach Higgins? Why? What usually happens? When somebody, some of the, of the, I don't want to say the worker bees or the pawns out there, when you have a great idea, I bet you have ten great ideas a, a day about stuff out there, but what usually happens, what, what usually breaks down why we can't do something like this and get Coach Dan Vonk to head up a program like this? What happens, I've, Coach I've always got I've always got a local example. And 2003 was my first year in Charleston. My wife was the school nurse at St. John's High School. It was the first year that they built. 
and and as a part of the initial building program, they had two beautiful tennis courts right beside the school, and and so within a matter, I I went out there a few times and tried to get the interest going with tennis, but within a matter of six months, and certainly the next year, they made basketball courts out of them. So so I think we're 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 fighting a little bit of local interest, particularly in South Carolina, because as you know, football is king. Like basketball in Kentucky is not a it's not a sport. It is nothing but a religion, you know. So I think we're 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 kind of fighting those things a little bit, but I still maintain in high school we're not you know we're not going to attract the all-star football or basketball player, but certainly I think the kids, uh, there's a lot of kids that would, that are good athletes that don't have the interest in football or basketball that could play uh, high school tennis. So, so we're back to square one. Uh, I think, you know, just a single person uh, in a community can, with, that has a passion for the game could, uh, uh, could kick up a whole, whole great deal of interest and not well, really this, try to compete head-to-head with football and basketball. Right. Well, this that is exactly what Coach Volk – I'm going to get bring Coach Volk on now. But that is exactly what Coach Volk has done, and he did it again and again and again and again. And, I mean, it's really amazing. You would bring your kids to camps in the summertime – you took your youngsters down to Miami to be ball kids down at the Miami tournament down there. You would drive down there. You got you did high school coaching seminars. You brought me and other coaches in sometimes in the summer. You would you would have us speak to coaches and do seminars. You know, but I mean, I don't know how anybody could be more on fire for the game or do a better job. But what was the not why did the glue not stick or maybe it did but what i'm trying to you know come up with a simple answer here but why why does it break down coach vonk why does it always break down well one thing that i'd say is is when one person's doing all you know you've got to have quality people who have who buy into it as well one of the frustrations that we had is you know, we're a, a one high school county. We've got two middle schools. And I, I got them to start middle school programs, I believe, around 2005 or something like that. And so, and we even got them to build courts at both of the middle schools. So we had two middle schools with, I've got a nice facility. I've got 10 courts at my high school. You've seen it. Um, and try, trying to find quality middle school coaches or even trying to get other coaches while, while we have the facilities, but trying to get other coaches to take their PE classes out and make tennis an actual part of the curriculum. To I mean, in in my view, those courts should have been – somebody should have been playing on those courts every day, all day long. And I couldn't get the other coaches to buy into it to where they wanted to take their kids out to teach tennis during the day. Um I eventually got certified as a health and PE instructor so that I could teach my own tennis class one period of the, at, of the day at the high school. But we need school systems to buy in also. If, you're, if we're going to build these facilities, let's use the facilities and let's make right. it part of our curriculum as well. Right. Once it, a, once it gets to a daggone bureaucracy – I'm sorry, Coach, for breaking in there. Go ahead. Finish what you are going to say No, there. you're right. You're right. No, and the bureaucracy breaks it down always, always. It, it, it's it's not about, or it's not about systems. It's about incentives, and it's about people. And here's where I'm going with this. I just absolutely we. I've got to go to a quick commercial, but when I come back, I want I want to talk a little bit more about how we bypass the bureaucracy, and I mean. It's it's absolutely true. High school tennis is would be the 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 deal there. I mean, and but what do we do? We we have a system that's really just it's very very boring for the kids. This 
team thing they do with no ad scoring and tiebreakers for the third and kids are on the team, but it's more of an after school activity, you know, but I mean, we, we need some, we need a catalyst to spur the enthusiasm. But if you guys will both hold on coach Higgins and coach Vonk, we're going to, we're going to go to a quick commercial and we will be right back. This Chuck Creasy with American tennis. And it's Coach Chuck Creasy. And, folks, my book, Coaching Tennis, has been out now 20 years. And my original book, Total Tennis Training, which was done in the 80s, Coaching Tennis is the the new version of this. But if you can believe it, it is still rated as the third best instructional book of all time in tennis. Am I excited about that? And I'd love for you to go to Amazon and order Coaching Tennis by Coach Chuck Creasy, and you'll find out tennis is a heck of a lot more than just hitting a ball. It will help your youngster or the team that you coach or to help you as well. Coaching Tennis by Coach Chuck Creasy. And this Coach Chuck Creasy, I'm back. And Coach Higgins, I want to go to you here a second. Okay, you've seen bureaucracy at the highest level. I mean, you were, okay, military, Vietnam. You used to <laughs> jump. Some of your stories are unbelievable. I mean, listen, <laughs> folks, I was, I've been over to talk to Coach Higgins just when I need to just remember about <laughs> those things that are so good and noble in people. But thank goodness you would talk about getting all those helicopters and you would feel, hear bullets just go zing, zing, zing by your head and things, and it's a miracle. It is a miracle that you went back without a scrape on you and to coach all those years and help all those people. But then you saw you saw the bureaucracy in, well, you were in the FBI. Come on, you were in government. You saw all kinds of things there. I know you probably can't talk about it. They'll probably arrest you if you do. Even 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 at this stage, but then also you were in the college system for a year. But talk about how bureaucracy breaks things down, Coach. Well, uh, unfortunately, uh, college presidents are concerned about enrollment, which transcends into the bottom line dollars and cents. Now that gets us into kind of what's happening to to the tennis game in college, and I don't know whether we even want to go there or not, but it, it, right now uh, there's plenty of blame to go around, but we both hope that the college game is not going the way of the Buffalo, you know, but we kind of see it because, oh, every two or three weeks or a month, I'll see another, uh, another university that is eliminating uh, tennis. Yeah, and so. And, and and the the NCA is doing what they can in the bureaucracy to to protect the what what we used to call minor sports. But one of their protections they set they set this up some years ago. I can't give you the exact year that you must fund six sixteen sports, you know, in order to play Division One basketball. Okay, that's what everybody wants because that's where the big money is. Okay, well, they did not specify the number of sports to be offered to men and to women. So the common breakdown now is 10 women's sports to 6 men's sports. Well, tennis becomes an easy cut because uh, of the Title IX thing, football – I got myself in a little trouble in the bureaucracy at Eastern Kentucky when I when I told the Associated Press that Eastern Kentucky is hemorrhaging to death through their football program. Their athletic budget was hemorrhaging to death through oh, their boy. football program. 
<laughs> and so you know how that went over. <laughs> and so so uh so basically we have no uh no on since Title Nine, uh we have no no uh uh women's side of the ro- uh, of the ledger that has the roster spots as does men or 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 the uh uh men's football, you know, because football really requires a lot. It's a great expenditure. So that is the biggest bureaucracy that we live in, in, in tennis. And, and it is affecting all sports. Now you add COVID-19 to the whole, whole mixture. And that's more than, you know, we really want to talk about now, but, but what happens in this bureaucracy, uh, the, the smaller schools, which I went to, you know, and you went to Tennessee tech, are are really missing out on a guaranteed game. You know, uh Charleston Southern here in town was going to get 600,000 to play University of Arkansas. Well, as you know, the SEC had opted to just play because of COVID-19 just conference games. Well, they, that that's out the window. Well, what happens with that guarantee? That means the money funnels down to the other sports. You know, in 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 order to do it, so so you want to talk about bureaucracy, the bureaucracy is built in, you know, right there. And so sad but true, tennis is one of those uh, sports that were uh, is being affected as we speak by uh, by the bureaucracy. Now that that's that's sad but true, you know, and and, well, and so it- so that. What would the answer be? What's what's the answer as far as what you think? Well, okay. Well, first, there's plenty of blame to go around. Uh, I see schools and have seen Division I tennis programs that fill complete rosters up with international kids. I mean, and there's no no American kids at all. So as an administrator sets, sets up, behind their desk and looks to to eliminate budget cuts and do different things. If you have got a roster that is, is totally international kids, uh, the next thing you know, that becomes an easy mark because nobody is really going to give them any political feedback. Yeah. You know, parents aren't, parents aren't, yeah, the parents aren't going to hammer you as bad. That's right. That's right. So, so that there's plenty of blame there. So, so, one thing, I think tennis ought to be all-inclusive instead of making it uh, such an elite sport with, with fewer and fewer opportunities to play. I think we ought to create more opportunities for, for men and women to play. You know, and uh, uh, you and I kind of laughed about this, but, but we, in, in South Carolina they play five singles and two doubles in high school tennis. Well, I've, I've met with the High School Athletic Association on a couple of occasions and tried to get them to go at least six singles and three doubles, composing a nine-point match. Well, they all agree, but then again, uh, it never happens. So I think we ought to increase opportunities for play, and it goes back uh, to what Dan has said. You know, we got to increase the interest at the grassroots level, and I, I totally yeah. agree with that. Instead of making it a more select sport, so that would be one way. I don't know that there's a silver bullet solution to any of it, but that's that that'd be one way uh, we could do it. You know, right. and increase more opportunities to play. Uh, and and we we talked about this as 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 a parent, you go through the junior tennis, and gosh, that's expensive now. By the time you hit the fourteens, you know you travel to a tournament, and and gosh, that's that's certainly not inexpensive. And, and and as a parent, you look around, and all your major universities have rosters composed of all international kids. The next thing you know, parents say, "Hey, I'm I'm getting no return out of this." Next thing you know, kids are playing soccer. You know, and yep. that is a part of the problem. That that is not the whole problem. You know, I'm not saying that totally. But but that is a part of the whole thing. Uh, those are some great observations, Coach Coach Dan. Uh, with 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 that, what what? I mean, what could the USTA do? I mean, okay, I just think about you have often thought, 
you're in South Georgia down there, you're trying to create interest, and you try to put a tournament together, and you either get not that many people sign up, or you can't get it sanctioned, or they make it a low, low level where nobody's going to want to come to from outside of that region. I mean, I know you've had those experiences, so, I mean, I just wish they'd get – the UTRs have been really – Excuse me. A, a good thing because people are more indi- they're more independent. They're going out on their own and do this. So, what what are your thoughts there, Coach Dan? No, I agree, and I I agree with what what Tom was saying too. I think the UCR has the, tournaments have been a a better thing. I don't know exactly what what they're doing. Of course, right now everything's shut down. That's a real frustrating thing because if you're a tennis player, where do you go right now, and when's it going to open up? But under normal circumstances, you know, just something. Tom was talking about the money. You know, in in rural areas, you know, it's generally it's a lower socioeconomic status. And if we get kids started, we can get all these kids started. But if the parents don't buy in and they're not willing to take them to tournaments, which is it's quite an investment on the parents' part. If you've got to, you know, drive two hours and get a hotel room and everything else, um, something to make it things more accessible for these kids and you know i but again going back to what we talked about earlier if they could just invest and find that person whose job it was in a community to develop tennis and that that was their purpose i think they could rally you know um the high school coach middle school coaches everything else but but we need to get that one person in in the school system or in the rec department who's who has that job and is passionate about it if i could ever find the funding for you you are the guy that could head that up and find that person in different communities that person are the college kids folks it's the college kids who are not going to play pro tennis that love tennis that want to be coaching i've got two of those kind of guys on my team right now but let's put them into different communities and let's put them in a place where they can be the person who's in charge. They get leadership experience. They get a lot of, uh, you know, they, they learn so, so much. They, they could be in charge, you know. I mean, I don't know. We pay them through community centers or something. But the insurance, you could take care of that and and uh, we could run with this. But you're the guy, Dan Funk. I'm not – you're going to be <laughs> – one day I would like for people to say, oh, that Vogue guy. Oh, he's the guy that got Small Town Tennis USA going. He saved tennis in America. But we need yep. we need to be able to have some backing there. And um, dang it, I, uh, I I would do it in a heartbeat if, uh, if uh, I've been working yep. for the three of us together with all these years of experience. We've been working for room, board, and experience for a lot of years, haven't we? You know, and we, I wanted to. We have, and you know. Chuck, um, you know, several years ago when you and I were really talking a lot about this and I explored, I talked to, um, you know, I had my high school principal, his daughter, his kids played tennis. And, and so he, I, I actually approached him about things. And there's so many things talking about the bureaucracy where, where there's so many liability issues that schools and communities are worried about and insurance and what if this happens and what if that happens. And that that was another big roadblock. So we'd have to have something where, where the USA would provide insurance and would, you know, it's it's just something where the school systems are looking at liability issues and and um, you know background checks and everything else right now, and they're hesitant to totally buy in. And and that's where I think we'd need the backing of the USTA and or, you know, some, something like that. It, it's doable, but my gosh, it's harder than it ever has been because of the daggone lawyers. I understand that, all the litigation and all that, but that's what they're afraid of. You said something there that was interesting. Everybody's afraid of what could happen. That sounds a little bit familiar right now, right? As people go exactly. back to school and we're trying exactly. to play sports. You know, what could happen? You know, so what happens is everybody sort of freezes, don't they, Coach Higgins? I mean, everybody just is sort of frozen, and everybody gets afraid. What could happen? 
isn't fear worse than taking a chance and failing at it? Isn't isn't fear and just sitting on stuff that it, it just absolutely drives me crazy? Nothing, 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 nothing gets done in a world that is socialist driven or top down management. Nothing gets done because of just these reasons. Um, <clears throat> Coach Higgins, I got one more pretty good question to ask you, and I think Vonk could chime in on this. But I guess we three, all three are, I don't know if Vonk's a senior citizen yet, but he could maybe pass for one and get cheaper movie tickets or something like that. But, <laughs> but I'd like to why have we lost one of the sleeping giants also is all of the senior citizens they're playing pickleball so why are people playing pickleball instead of tennis coach Higgins well I can I can only speak from personal experience I, I can't do it uh, there's just no way and the reasons I can give you a couple reasons cited uh, at the high school where where I, I I play now, I mean I coach. Everybody says it's a low skill sport, low conditioning, social, total social, and and uh, it's uh, it's just increasing popularity. It kind of offended me. Our first three courts, uh, they put pickleball lines down on our courts. And they were newly resurfaced last Sacrilege. year. Sacrilege! Sacrilege! <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. That's coach. right. And so, and so, so uh, I see a lot of people doing it, uh, but I, I think for the most part, people who play tennis or have played tennis throw rocks at it. Even senior citizens. Well, I mean, I got I got no knees. You know, I when I going into a litany. Of, of health problems I've got, uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't get near it. I mean, if I get 90 years old, 95, if I live that long, I might take it up, you know. But but it, it, the ball does not compress. It it it's just uh, I can't I can't figure it out. You know, there are people Slap, doing it and have fun. Slapping slapping a hard ball in a small area, but it's social. I yeah. think you're. What do you think, Coach Vonk? You have the pickleball down there taking over. And what do we need to do to get our senior citizens back in tennis again? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, it has taken over down here. Um, you know, we don't we, – we, we've got public courts that were normally run down and everything. And about, about six, seven years ago, I talked them into resurfacing the, the tennis courts and everything. They've now turned those four tennis courts into eight pickleball courts. So there's oh my. a public tennis court. Oh, oh. They, they justify it by saying, well, the high school is just a mile down the road, so people can play tennis at the high school. But there's a, I, I drive by Gross Road periodically, and those courts are full, I'm telling you. And I know people who play, and they, and they say exactly what you said. It's very social. And you don't have to run as much. You don't. You don't have to be as skilled. You got. You got a flat paddle and a, and basically a ping pong ball that 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 doesn't bounce very hard. And it's it's just something where they can be social and they can move a little bit. So. Um, so how do tennis, we how do we get the, how would we get tennis back? How do we get tennis back well, I, for the older people? Um. I, you know, I don't, I don't have the answer to that because w- one of the things that you've always said is, is um, that it's hard, hard to, to become skilled at tennis. So it's hard, hard to, to pick up, to hard to put down. down. Yeah, that's right. Right, and this is this is easy to pick up, and they can go out there, and they don't have to be great athletes. It's 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 not a great skill sport, but they can still be social, and they and. That's the only thing that I can figure because it has taken what, off here as what well. If, what if we had old wood rackets for seniors or if we had softer balls? See, I think the balls, when they went to those green balls, they tried to sell those to the seniors. There's no senior tennis player that wants to play with kitty balls and use the green balls. They should have called it golden age balls or golden aces. No, no, the golden ace. <laughs> The Golden Ace. See, now Higgins would have been excited about playing tennis with the Golden Ace ball. 
It was slower and basically <laughs> see the oh, folks. Yeah. <laughs> the oh simi- yeah. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> the, sim- <laughs> the, the symmetry the symmetry's been screwed up. Come on, guys. You guys who are promoting tennis, you messed this. the symmetry got messed up with the high tech rackets. The the time for a ball to go to Coach uh, Vonk and back to Coach Higgins used to be four seconds. Now it's about two two point one. They say average. That's only when Vonk is trying to slap winners instead of construct a point. You know. So <laughs> so but the symmetry got messed up. So that's one of the things that they goofed up and. Daggone it, they need to use some common sense on this instead of buying into the pickleball is king. Oh, Vonk, what are you doing, man? You must cringe to ride by those courts and to see them in the pickleball courts. Oh, oh my God. I worked worked so hard to get them to resurface those courts and do something and finally got them to do it. And, uh, yeah, I do cringe. You're right. It's it's something where I go by and you are you are an amazing human being. That's and, and absolutely deserved. So okay, we've got about three minutes here. I want to ask each of you. I'll go, Coach Higgins, you first, because you are the senior most of of all of us, of all of us. Oh, yeah. You know, um, I think I'd like to put it this way. You know, they say people work for six reasons: financial reward, or material reward. That's two of them. Appreciation is a big one. Association, being part of something. Self-improvement. And then service to others. And God bless our people who are teachers, police, firemen, coaches. All those people, parents, the service to others part. Coach Higgins, why did you decide to get into uh, coaching instead of uh, going out and making millions of dollars after working for the FBI? Uh, I think you hit it right on the head, service to others. I, I had to feel like, I, and I still do, at age 78, I still do. Oh, you didn't like tell everybody. I, <laughs> yeah, <go ahead. laughs> I, I still do. I feel like I, I like a degree of relevance in, in a literal sense. I feel better mentally. I'm in a better mental state of mind if I go out and I feel like I'm doing something for somebody else. Now that's a sim- my simple way of, of expressing that, you know, and, that, and I that, guess that's that, why I've always done it. <laughs> that that could not you have know. been said better. And I'm going somewhere with this. Okay, Coach Vonk, why? Which one of those reasons did you get in for financial reward or material reward? <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, absolutely no, it wasn't that. It it was, uh, you know, absolutely the service of others. But I'll say, you know, one of the – I love tennis. You and I have talked about it. You you love tennis. I love this game. I don't think there's any other game that's out there. I've played a lot of different sports. There's no other game that teaches life lessons and that reflects the types of things that you're going to have to deal with in in life, emotional ups and downs of a match. And just – like you said, it's hard to learn. It's a, it's a difficult game, but it grabs you and it holds on to you. And I just love teaching tennis, so that's my vehicle. But and, and I love seeing kids grow through the sport of tennis. I some of the best relationships, as I'm sure you'll also say, are 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 those relationships that I had with kids who came through the tennis program. And still, as adults, I stay in touch with those kids. And, it's it's been a wonderful thing as far as I'm concerned. You know, I I I I I cherish my years as a tennis coach. Well, that's beautiful because the five sleeping giants were high school tennis, small town tennis USA. We didn't cover 22 to 35 age group. The old people's tennis senior players we've talked about. And then opening it up and get the bureaucracy out of there. But here's the thing, folks, and there's a purpose why I'm asking Coach Higgins there and Coach uh, Dan. And I would drive 300 miles to eat a Snickers candy bar with Coach Dan Vonk. And it's not because he's rich and or famous or whatever, but he is just a good man. He's the kind of person that gives to others. And Coach Higgins, 
I cherish the time sitting in your garage. Can I say that we have sit out there and we, and we have shared a beer or two together, yeah. and we have shared many, many a great story together, but I do it out of respect for you. And all of you people out there, the biggest sleeping giant, the biggest sleeping giant as we go here is you, is you. It's you giving your time to other people. Daggone it. If, you, if you're not doing this after 60, and Coach Volk, you're not the 60, but if you don't do this uh, after 60, you look like a burnout rock star looking for a new gig. So, and that's a pathetic thing when you get older. And look at Tom, folks. Tom Higgins is on fire for it still. What seventy-eight? You let your you let your age out there, but you're seventy-eight. Well, I, well, it doesn't change the date on my driver's license, guys. <laughs> well, you you uh, listen. You're regardless of your prosperity, guys. You guys and my prosperity. Our posterity, what we've done for others, I'm hoping that is what lives on. God bless you guys for being on today. We we really, really appreciate it. This is one for the books. It's one that I look forward to keeping. Thanks, Coach Higgins. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Thank you, Coach Dan. Thanks, Chuck. I love you, man. All right. God bless you, man. This is America. Tennis. America.